Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Salome Campagnier. Sal is the Chief Digital and Information Officer of Cushman and Wakefield, a $10 billion revenue global real estate services firm. She's been with the company for roughly a decade, and she's been in her role for a bit more than a year. She's led a remarkable transformation of the function in that short time, driving the creation of business information officer roles to better align her team with the company at large. She's bolstered the data function of the company with the addition of a chief data officer, fostering the development of better data insights and the creation of data products. Sal is also a champion of diverse teams and believes that diversity of thought is critical in being an advisor that her company needs. I look forward to discussing all this and more with her in this conversation. Sal, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you as always. Thank you for having me, Peter. It's a great pleasure. Well, good. Uh, I thought we'd begin, Sal, with uh, an overview of your business. Uh, you are the Chief Digital and Information Officer of Cushman and Wakefield. And uh, I wonder if you could take a moment and just provide an overview of the business that, that Cushman and Wakefield's in, please. I would love to. Um, for those that don't know, Cushman and Wakefield is a leading global real estate firm that delivers exceptional value of real estate, both occupiers and owners across the world. We have 52,000 colleagues across 400 offices in approximately 60 countries. We had um, rendered about a $10.1 billion of revenue in 22 across core service lines that are really captured into two sections of both services and advisory. Um, our property facility management, project management teams, along with our valuation and advisory, capital markets and leasing. Um, we have launched into a fantastic new brand statement and mantra of life is what we make it. And that's what we're here to do to make an impact across everything that we do across the world. I personally joined the firm about 10 years ago to at the time deploy a foundational ERP to what is now our CNW services business within the US. And within the first 90 days, what was a local America's only business um, went global through a number of acquisitions. And from there, I've taken on a number of different roles and challenges that afforded me the experience and the context to take the seat I am in today. Sal, uh, you mentioned you've been with the company for about a decade and a bit more than a year now in your current role. Take a moment and describe, if you would, the Chief Digital Information Officer role. We were recrafting the role. It was really important to effectively take the entire supply chain of digital experiences that our colleagues and our clients are consuming and render them within one remit. So across the organization, um, the role's accountability is for every single digital transaction. Um, across the organization from client-facing technologies to enterprise optimization to data excellence to what you would term traditional IT, um, security, cyber compliance, and our service delivery across a diverse colleague list of 500 colleagues around the world um, that are rendering these capabilities both to our colleagues and our clients we formulated the role to ensure that we can effectively create a role that has the purview end to end of technology consumed by our colleagues and clients. That's fantastic. Uh, and and th this end to end technology, I really like that, that uh, thought process. Um, describe that a, a little bit further as to um, how you contemplate this uh, and the, the two aspects of it, it's digital uh, and information. Um, so the, the kind of traditional aspects of a CIO with the more expanded purview as you, as you uh, call out. Uh, I'd love for you to double click on that a little bit further if you would. Sure. 
So within the, if you think about um, within the digital realm of the role, um, we're responsible for enabling the technology utilization and best in class utilization of technology across a multitude of service lines. Some service lines, the technology will be client facing and in some service line, it's pr um, predominantly for optimization of efficiencies within our own service prov providers around the globe. What we were finding is based on the services we provide, there's a high, high level of connectivity between our client facing and operational technologies and how those render within our, what you would call your back office technologies and the connective tissue across them, predominantly around the ability to create unified digital workflow across multiple technologies, as well as a application of data models that render the best outcomes. And so what we wanted to do is create accountability for the entire supply chain, both from a digital workflow perspective, as well as data, so that we can effectively try to get to a position of a enter it once, use it multiple times across um, the ecosystem. We have a highly, highly diversified ecosystem and matrix of services, geos, clients that we provide technology capabilities to. And what we were finding in previous um, reviews and as, as I was doing my listening tour when I took the seat was we were providing solutions in a um, capability by capability model uh, versus experience centric and that lack of experience centricity um, afforded a left a gap of opportunity for us to uh, actually fill and we're thrilled with the changes that we've made and the ability to really really uh, render a technology experience that's holistic in nature and more importantly, to create a foundation for our colleagues to interface with both from a digital workflow and data perspective, that's rendering better results for our clients and for our colleagues. It's a great, it's a great overview, Sal. And, and I, I know that a part of the changes that you've rendered that you've just described also led to some conclusions about the necessity of org changes as well. And I wonder if you could take a moment and describe some of those. So within the first uh, 30 to 45 days within role, um, I did a lot of listening, a lot of talking to our multitudes of con constituents, um, both consuming of technology services, as well as those that are within the technology organization to get an understanding of how are we doing? How are we solving for the problems um, and opportunities for our clients and our colleagues? And one of the number one feedback points that came in internally was we were complicated to navigate. And as we kind of uh, took a step back and took in those feedback points, what became clear was we were structured in a manner to provide support at a product level, if you will, at a widget level um, is the way I had termed it versus the product is known by the business, which is, for example, property management or facility management or facility services capabilities. Um, what we had effectively tried to do was to respond to the need for a particular application versus a particular product that we're selling to our clients. So what we've done is we set a, um, we press reset on the way we were structured. We knew we had the right talent. We knew we had, um, really great technology and the hypothesis was if we worked together differently and if we held different accountability matrix we could make a larger impact at pace and so what we started with is the introduction of the business information officer roles 
So we took the organization and we effectively divided it into three segmentations, one for our services businesses, one for our advisory business, and one for the enterprise. How are we showing up from a technology optimization within the organization ourselves? Those three um, leaders that are direct reports to myself in the org and their leadership teams are now responding to the total experience for technology for, let's say, our project and development services organization versus historically they would have been responding to a particular action or item within a widget. And so that somebody effectively, I wanted to always have someone accountable for the technology experience and the digital experience for each of our service lines. And we lacked that accountability at that level. So we worked on effectively starting with that position of the business information officer roles, effectively generating our product suites. What's on the menu? What are we selling? What are we utilizing? We then paired them with a brand new role for chief data officer within the organization that is now going to be consuming the data outcomes of these different products and being able to generate um, insights and data products for ourselves as a firm and for our clients. So effectively taking the products that we use for our clients, augmenting them with data, then came in the third pillar, which was how do we sell and how do we package these different offerings up to our clients? At Cushman and Wakefield, we're very keen on meeting clients where they are as far as their technology journey is concerned. And that requires my team to have a in-depth knowledge of the technology toolkits that we have um, within our offering. But how do they actually meld and integrate with the offering, with the technologies already deployed at our clients? And how do we best show up at the intersection of business process, the huge um, service offerings, and the incredible talent we have across the globe within our services teams across um, Cushman and Wakefield. How do I augment that experience with the digital world as well as data? That sales team is accountable for taking the offerings we have and really um, customizing it, if you will, to the particular scenario that the clients are in. So now that we have who's driving the products, how are we augmenting on data products for um, from a data perspective, and then how do we bundle it and appropriately intersect it with our technologies for our clients? We then went into um, that, that's what I would call the CDO side of the organization. And then the CIO side of the organization, we have um, leaders that are phenomenally running our infrastructure teams, our cyber and security teams, as well as service delivery. Now that we had all this structure in place, we wanted to operationalize our structure and how we work together and how we intersect with the business. And so we created our first role for governance and project management um, to be able to really make sure that our metrics of success were deeply operationalized within our, our own organization, but intersected with what the business considered a success within the digital um, consumption of our services. And this collection of nine leaders are now accountable for the 100% of the portfolio of technology across the organization. And I could not be more proud of the change that they have been able to lead. And um, with with the change comes a lot of movements. And um, of our 500 colleagues, um, roughly 100 of them moved organizations as a part of this change um, within the first six months of us being in position as a leadership team. And I have to say, I am profoundly proud of the changes that we've been able to drive and culturally um, the things that we've been concentrating on um, rendering a positive outcome for both our clients and our colleagues globally. What a great overview. I really appreciate that, Sal. 
And I, I, I wanted to um, go back to the, the, the creation of the BIO, the business information officer roles, and ask you a bit about what you looked for in the people that you assigned to those roles. That's a, obviously a very important new aspect that kind of reflects a new way of interacting with the rest of the organization, uh, creating you know, better bonds and, and higher levels of value ultimately uh, to, to the organization that you're a part of. Uh, talk a bit about how you thought about um, the, the sorts of people with the sorts of skills necessary in order to pull that off. Sure. Um, interestingly enough, each of the roles had a slight twist to them, uh, similar to the diversity of services that we provide to our clients, the technology and the technology enablement of each of those different sectors um, was slightly nuanced. So I'll start with the enterprise. Um, from an enterprise perspective, we were looking for a colleague that had the breadth of understanding across every function um, of, a, of an organization. So from legal to procurement to finance, HR. And the important component being they had um, both the balance of EQ and IQ to, to be ready to tether the organization with technology and data and not be super keen on a particular win within a particular area, but really the elevation and maturity gain across the entire segmentation was really important to me. Um, a partner that truly wanted to balance education and agitation so what we want to do is educate all of our um, constituents on what the art of the possible is through the usage of technology, but also agitate thinking um, and really mature and elevate the totality of the enterprise versus having a lot of singular wins for technology in and of itself. Within the services and advisory sector, um, we knew that we are in a complicated arena. We are a highly matrix organization with a um, varying maturity level of technology consumption or technology roadmaps um, at the intersection of a geography and service line. And we wanted leaders, um, I wanted to bring in leaders that one would have the enterprise mindset um, that they would take into the entire portfolio and candidly, these three leaders together, the goal was that they were diverse in thought, diverse in business acumen, diverse in industry sector that they were coming from, and had the desire and ability to work as a unit to elevate the entire outcome for the organization. And so um, these three individuals in particular have now established a rhythm whereby if you think about it, there isn't a workflow within the organization that's not architected by this group. And so these leaders are really having to um, comb through the opportunities that we have and prioritize them for highest impact for our clients and our, and our colleagues, but at the same time have that tethering of give and take across their portfolios because a single transaction effectively starts with one and ends with the other. And um, the partnership that they've been able to create and the uniformity of approach that they've been able to render um, has been a huge positive impact for the organization and their selection process. We, we did make a very intentional choice to open every position, um, which uh, from a timeline perspective, obviously adds a certain level of pressure as a new leader, but it was absolutely the right thing to do to really, really um, bring forward our diversity of thought and diversity of approach and make sure that we're providing the opportunity across our candidate pool uh, to be able to go through the selection process. 
great description of that. And I love the thought you put to ensuring that they didn't become siloed organizations, but rather, you know, really were blending what was great across each of them and share insights across those to ensure that there was uh, one was informing the next, uh, a, a gr- really sound description of that. I wanted to also ask you about the chief data officer role. I also really uh, liked your, your description, the consumption of data outcomes from products and creating insights and data products um, along the way as well. I, I, I realize in the grand scheme of things that um, the role is still relatively new, but I wonder, is, is there much you can share in terms of the creation of some of these data products or um, you know, how this is brought to life new, new ideas as a result of, of the, this new orientation of thinking? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Look, as you said, it is a brand new capability for us within the firm, and we are building the muscle of understanding how best to utilize it and uh, where the lines kind of align across what's within the product suite, what's within the data product suites. Um, It's a learning journey for everybody. It's a learning journey for the firm. Um, Our optimal goal is to be able to mature transactional data within the transactional owning systems, right? So take it, take the the workdays, the sales forces of the world. We want to create the ability to mature that data set within its core transactional set, but be able to architect it in a manner that's that's um, enabled to be tethered across for the maximum insights for our clients, centering on obviously for us property as a key constituent in that um, in all of these systems. And while we could take an approach that is centralize everything, govern everything, and yield insights out of it, we are very consciously taking a slightly different approach. Um, We understand our landscape and we understand the complexity that will come from external factors, internal factors, client demands. And what we don't want to do is delay the impact. And so what we're doing is a balanced act of identifying where we have opportunities to mature our data suite and connect it um, throughout the environment and letting the business information officer teams take lead on those opportunities of how to mature within transactional systems and integrate them across the ecosystem while the data team effectively works on um, opportunities to answer really key questions that our clients and our colleagues are asking and, uh, and bring that transparency and accessibility to that data in the forefront. And so that balance of trade, if you will, between the business information officer roles and the CDO organization is and can, will continue to be a learning and growing journey for us. Um, but the goal for us is to ensure that we're taking the opportunity to, to take in, evaluate, and fail fast in the opportunity evaluation for our data products which means that at times we have to uh, give to a lower priority of doing what we want to do in a long-term strategy. So it's a constant balancing act of the long-term maturity and health and health growth of our data with a short-term impact and value driving um, outcome that we want to provide to both of our clients and our colleagues. And it, it, it's a fun exercise and it has been a, a consistent balancing act for us as a team. And I'm very excited to see where the journey takes us, but we are definitely uh, creating that muscle and we're practicing it very hard and the opportunities are going to continue to grow. So operationalizing of creation of the idea anywhere within New York, intake of that idea, disposition, and really fail fast trial modeling of this before we get to MVP. Um, that's a cycle that we're we have evaluated and tested, and we are looking to mature it further throughout the year this year. 
I like the way you framed earlier the education and agitation <laughs> that you, you hope that uh, your team brings to life, especially the BIOs, but perhaps a bit, bit beyond that as well. And I, I know that you, um, as a part of that is sort of revealing the art of the possible, you know, educating the rest of the organization as to, you know, what they should expect and, and, and what sorts of opportunities there, there are to advance things. And I know a vision you've articulated is to pair world-class real estate services with world-class technology. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what, what you believe uh, constitutes world-class technology, what conclusions you and they are coming to um, as to, uh, as to uh, the ideas associated with that. Look, I think in a technology organization, it can be awfully tempting to continue to uh, pivot and chase the next new um, offerings that a, a lot of the technology markets are providing these days. What we constitute as world-class, the intersection of world-class uh, real estate services and the supplemental and augmenting technologies is the right technology at the right time consumed and integrated within our service offerings. So we have phenomenal, phenomenal uh, leaders and providers within our entire ecosystem that are out there providing thought leadership and really driving in incremental impact for our clients through the multitudes of services that we provide. And it's really important for me that we create that proximity of technology to their toolkits, across their toolkits to be able to make the biggest impact. So world-class technology to me is the right technology with the right um, trusted data set in their fingertips at any point within which they need to consume it for their for the maximum benefit for their clients and themselves as an operational effectiveness. Um, while we do have a strong foothold within innovative technologies and we have a team that's out there harnessing the best of the best out there, um, the operationalization of technology and how it actually bleeds within the day-to-day -day life and day-to-day -day service delivery of our colleagues is what is my measure of success. Um, our measure of success is not the number of tools we have in our tool belt, but the tethering of them and the impact that they can drive for making the best real estate decisions, the, less, the best services decisions, the best asset decisions that allow for our clients to meet their ESG goals. Like, all of these intersectionality of the people, the process and the data is what success looks like to me. Um, and we're striving for that with the proximity we've created with the, with the business information officer roles to our service leaders and to our thought leaders are driving the strategy within each service line. Technology will become an embedded and leading component of each of these strategies. And our operating model shifts have allowed conversations such that there is not a strategic conversation within the firm without an element of technology. Um, we are obviously a people-based firm and we're providing great services with world-class people. And uh, my job and my team's job is to ensure that they have world-class technology and the intersection of the partnerships that we have within the technology realm how we've configured it to ensure that the best outcomes for their particular service offering and the tethering of them with data to enable the insights that they need to bring to their clients. That to me is what constitutes world-class technology to amplify the services teams that we already have in the market. Yeah, very, very, very interesting. You mentioned their uh, ESG, environmental, social, and governance as a priority of your team, but also a priority of a lot of your uh, clients as well. And that you and your team help bring to life insights 
that might help them advance. This is your customers, presumably also your company uh, as well. Can you describe a bit of the role that you see yourselves playing and how that's brought to life? Sure. Um, I would break down our role into three segmentations. Um, first is driving of a digital footprint for our own reporting and optimization and ensuring that um, our colleagues that are, have accountability for reporting of our um, measurements are provided the best technology and we have partnerships in place and we are um, thrilled to be able to be in the leading um, candidates of partnering with uh, the larger providers to be able to drive this accountability and automation of collection of data, reporting, and maintenance of agility as this area kind of optimizes and formulates new thought on a regular basis. I have no doubt as um, regulations continue to mature that our ability to be agile within our digital footprint to respond to them will be our differentiator. So that's for how do we show up for ourselves and as an entity. Secondarily, I would say the, the component of allowing for the best of class digital footprint to be deployed for our clients and how they are measuring their own portfolio across the spectrum of ESG um, is a key component of ours in partnership with our services teams and our global occupier services, our facility management, our property management, and our DEI office. This cross-functional, diverse thought leadership has come together to identify what the total offering would be um, from digital to services to how does our supply chain kind of come into the mix? How do we partner with the best digital outcomes? And the goal for us is to deployment of these digital technologies, um, but augmented with a um, data product that helps our clients evaluate their posture across a portfolio of like clients and being able to really make an impact to their decision-making on where their best next investments, their focus areas are across the ESG um, portfolio of opportunities. So with three hats, if you will, um, digitizing our own internal offerings, digitizing and enabling the digitization of our clients' offerings, and then melding out the opportunity to evaluate across um, a, a diverse set of clients' datas to be able to provide them um, benchmarking and the ability to drive out best decision-making. We're showing up in that manner um, for how we drive out a digital footprint within ESG. Separate from that, we are also concentrating on our own impacts of how as a technology organization are we best driving um, benefit to the firm from our own uh, diversity of talent, from the partnerships that we go into and ensuring that our supply chain of both services and SaaS platforms um, have a carbon forward mindset and ensuring that they are diverse in nature as well um, from the multitudes of markers of diversity um, to our own data center strategy and how we are um, our cloud first uh, strategy is enabling a benefit to our organization's carbon footprint. Um, these the multifaceted approach to how we're showing up um, as a digital organization to drive an ESG outcome, both for our clients and for our firm, um, is a super exciting place to be. Uh, and we're thrilled to be able to partner to drive these outcomes. Sal, I want to return to the topic of data uh, again. Your colleagues have produced the largest data set on the future of the office called Experience Per Square Foot. Share some of the perspectives uh, that you've gained from that, if you would. 
Sure. Cushman and Wakefield uses a data-driven, evidence-based approach to understand a lot of key drivers across the workplace. And to your point, our proprietary tool experience per square foot, um, which measures and informs the enhancements of the workplace and people performance across a diverse pool of participants, um, has a couple of key outcomes that we've been um, educating our clients on. One is uh, employees with choice and control over where and when they get to work is reporting a much higher engagement than those without choice. Um, so consistency across, consistently across our respondents, we are seeing that where the employee has a particular choice in their location and time and um, way of working, um, they're seeing the highest engagement and outcome. And additionally, um, experience per square foot is finding that the primary purpose of the office is to foster that connection and well-being and possibly link to a social interaction and improve workforce, work-life boundaries and life um, balancing of all of the expectations that we have on ourselves as a lot of our own daylight, day-to-day interactions have changed. Um, but we are looking to the experience per square foot out data outcome to provide employees infrastructure to work securely from anywhere in the world and have the technology to deliver a consistent experience, whether you're in the office or you're at home or you're at a flex office. Um, this morning I had um, a, one of these calls kind of come to fruition. We had uh, one in a hotel, one in a cab and one in a car driving to work and that ability to be productive in anywhere um, was obviously keen and a part of our way forward. Um, and some of the trends that we're seeing um, in the benefits of being in the office, obviously productivity has remained stable throughout. Our data has been consistent around 75% pre-pandemic 21, 20, 22. Um, personal connections obviously are taking a bit of a hit in 2020, but are rebounding as people are going into the office for a very focused primary usage of um, connection and feeling a part of a um, broader community. And overall, I think it's important for, as we look at our own experiences and making sure that the flexibility that we're offering to our employees is rendering that balance of connection and sense of belonging while allowing for higher productivity and flexibility within their own selections. Very interesting, Sal. If I'm hearing you correctly, then of course you're you're both a consumer of this data, and therefore you know taking what you're learning to heart, implementing it with your own team, while also uh, providing kind of a, a guide to others. Uh, maybe you're sort of customer one, if you will, of the data, while also then providing additional insights to others who might might uh, draw insights and therefore uh, make some changes based upon what they're learning from it as well. Uh, you've mentioned in a few different lights, Sal, the, the topic of diversity. And I know it's a, it's a topic that's uh, near and dear to your heart, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, in addition to representing uh, uh, and being a diverse leader yourself, especially in the realm of technology and no doubt inspiring others uh, who might uh, uh, walk in your footsteps, what steps have you seen work best in fostering um, better diversity across, uh, across your team? I think for, look, I think for myself, I have a myriad of personal life experiences that have informed my own empathy points and um, understanding of where the consuming of a particular scenario, I just consume it differently, not because um, of anything other than my own lived experiences afford me the ability to do that. And the more conversations I have across the organizations where we have a multi-marker measure of diversity. So whether it be industry, gender, um, if it's race or religious alignment, um, 
I think for us, it's critical to bring that diversity of thought forward um, because as part of what I alluded to earlier, our role is to agitate and across technology, agitation is a really um, core component of getting a, an, an improved outcome. And I have yet to experience a scenario where everyone in the room is like-minded and the appropriate level of agitation come about to render a better result. And so for myself as a leader, I recognize that my role affords me the opportunity to not only model, but to encourage the operationalization of the intended outcomes of DEI, which is to great, create that thought leadership, create that agitation in as many environments as we can across the organization. And um, what I've seen work the best is to be intentional. So you intentionally walk into a scenario are there diverse perspectives in the room? Are there diverse backgrounds in the room um, or on the call uh, in, a, in a fully remote session? And really be that voice of who are we missing? Um, it's very often you go into a room and you know that there is these agitations or diversity of thought that's missing. And as a leader, you have the opportunity to pause and ensure that they're included prior to any sort of an outcome being surmised. And I take that role very seriously. I take the evaluation of what we're doing to bring in um, throughout the entire talent profiles, what we're doing to partner with external partners to bring in diverse talent, what we're doing to elevate the totality of conversation across the business on what it looks like to be a diverse organization and really drive the impact that we're looking for. Um, it is not an accident that our mantra for the from a brand perspective is life is what we make it. And um, I was thrilled to participate in our International Women's Day event, which is life is what she makes it, and highlight the phenomenal, absolute phenomenal female talent within the organization. Um, intersectionality is a part of my lived experience. I'm an Iranian American, I'm a female in tech, um, and it's technology and, and commercial real estate intersectionality. So to me, the more diverse of a leadership team um, from a mindset and all of the organic measures of diversity that we bring forward, the better outcome we can have for our clients and the better sense of belonging and fulfillment that we can provide for our colleagues. What a great uh, description of that, as well as the diverse ways in which you think about uh, diversity, um, uh, as you as you called out, including the importance of diversity of thought in terms of facilitating the agitation. You've noted a few different places here. I, I wonder, actually, you've mentioned a couple times the mantra, life is what we make it. Can you talk a little bit about you know, sort of that, what that means to you or, or how that translates into how you how you and the team work? For me personally, it's uh, every life situation has an uh, it, this intersection that you can look at and uh, you can consume it as a positive or you can consume it as a bump or you can consume it as a learning. Um, and I have worked very hard to take the point of view of every single experience I have, failure or not, is an intended step in my journey. And with that comes a lot of focus around taking every opportunity that's afforded to us and being able to make what we want out of it. And so even, you know, taking a seat like this, it's me shaping the outcomes of the seat that I think are best suited for our clients and our colleagues. And it's how I operationalize it, how I, I show up every day is to get the best outcome for um, the seat that I'm in right now. For our teams um, across the globe, it affords them the ability to be their authentic selves and deliver the outcomes that they want 
while being their authentic selves. And there is nothing more powerful than somebody entering in a room and helping solve problems for clients um, as their full authentic selves, knowing that they are actually embraced, empowered, and um, supported in doing so. And that intersection of every single one of our 50 plus thousand colleagues showing up and really making an impact for our clients in the way that's authentic to them, it's, it's a secret sauce. And I'm thrilled to work in an organization and lead in an organization that really, really embraces that diversity of thought and approach, um, because I do think that renders the best results for our clients. I love how intentional and how, how deeply you think about these things. Thank you for, for sharing that. I sure. want to ask you as well, uh, Sal, as you look to the future, what are some, we've talked about a number of trends and, and the way in which you, you breathe life into the art of the possible for the rest of the organization, you know, what beyond some of the things we've talked about, or perhaps, uh, you know, going deeper into to some of the things we've already spoken about as you see fit, what are some trends that really excite you as you look to the year or a couple of years ahead? I would start off with, I think that, Intersection for me, um, intersection of building technology and ESG um, as ESG kind of matures as a way of thinking and a way of leading and how that impacts the, the experience that you have with a physical building and what the decisions are and in terms of what investments are made in improving the ESG and carbon footprint of buildings and where technology plays a role what data you evaluate to make those decisions. Um, that's an exciting area for me um, to, to monitor. And secondarily, I would say the ever evolving role of the digital leader across organizations. Um, I think in general, you're seeing this pivot across organizations that are seeing a lot of CIOs, CDOs move more into PL roles or move more into broader operational roles because digital and data is such a core component of everything that we deliver as an organization. And for me to monitor that at the intersection of cyber governance and what we're doing in cyber and how that impacts the boards, just the duality of all of those roles coming together and where they will take um, shape in the future is an exciting opportunity for me to evaluate. And I also wanted to ask you, you've highlighted um, a bit about your own thought process of, of um, as a leader uh, but I wanted to also just ask you, as you think about your your journey uh, to to the the role that you're in now, uh, reach still at a relatively young age. Um, what what have been some of the keys or secrets to your success that you might offer, especially for others who might wish to walk in your your footsteps? What have been some of the difference makers along the way uh, that have helped uh, lead you to your current position? One this this is a this is a tricky question for me, um, as I had. Uh, as many that know me uh, would have said three years ago, if somebody asked if I would be having this conversation or holding this seat, I um, would not have even crossed my mind. Um, so it's an interesting, um, for me, it's an interesting journey. And one that to, to your question has three core components of, as I reflect on how I'm here and what got me here, um, three things come to mind. Um, one is I am, very intentional and have matured in intentionality of being unapologetically myself. Um, that means I'm here as much to educate my surrounding co uh, colleagues on who I am and how I show up to work and what that means to me and finding environments that um, allow me to be myself. Um, it's been a lot of work to get here as a young consultant sitting in a room with clients and my seniors. I did not show up as my whole self. I had definitely a higher 
um, lean towards my work persona versus my personal persona. And you could definitely see the difference of them. And over the years, I've worked to merge them. And um, part of that is growth and role. Part of that is just growth and um, myself as a person and how I show up. And I think that intentionality of being myself and being unapologetic about it um, is one of my kind of superpowers, if you will, that I've worked on very hard. Uh, I used to, there used to be a saying that uh, a lot of the team members would say something like, sorry, I had to pick up the kids. And we were working very hard to removing the sorry with a commitment to your family and to your children away from our, even our language, right? I'm not sorry that I have to pick up the kids. It's part of my life. And it's part of what the balance or the fluidity that I have to create between my work life and my personal persona Secondarily, I would say I've worked really hard at mapping my own core competencies and opening myself to any experience that laterally or otherwise allows me to help create and optimize new skills. So very early in my career, and part of it is because I was in consulting, consulting is extremely up or out mentality. So you had a linear path that you would take and it resulted in a particular role change. Uh, for me, I made the pivot of I wanted particular experiences. And so I was more um, keen to practice or build muscles in a particular area than to take a particular title. And I think that differentiated my capabilities over my journey, even here at Cushman. And it has afforded me a very, very diverse portfolio of work that I've been able to work through and create the opportunity for me to take a seat like this. And last but not least, for anyone that is looking um, to review their own path is 100% always say yes to a conversation, whether that's sitting across a client, whether that's sitting across a um, colleague, whether that's sitting across those that do work in a multitude of industries, um, the more information that you can take and the more real world conversations that you can enable, um, I firmly believe in everything happens for a reason. And so the more of them that you opt into and have conversations and dialogues, uh, the better off your journey will be. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a prime example of what I believe to be a path that even has led to this conversation is I participate in um, a phenomenal uh supporter of a T200 organization, which um, is a organization leading in empowering and elevating women in technology. Um, and you, Peter, were a participant and a presenter at one of the sessions that I said yes to, and I showed up and listened to. I then um, made a connection with you offline. Then you offered a conversation somewhere else. I said yes to that conversation. And fast forward roughly two years, a year and a half, two years later, we're having this conversation. So I think for me, being intentional and saying yes to those conversations is genuinely a pathway to new experiences and new connections. And um, I wholeheartedly believe that everybody should should lean into them as much as they can. Well, I, as with the entire conversation, Sal, uh, your intentionality and the depth of your philosophy, how well-reasoned it all is, I, it's fully on display. I, I really greatly appreciate this this. Uh, thought-provoking and interesting conversation, as, as all of ours have been. Now on the record, though, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the time that you've spent with me today and, uh, and the many great ideas that you've shared. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing the platform and enabling the dialogue. I appreciate it.